It's Justin Trudeau's turn for a town hall over at CBC, proving once and for all that CBC is the media arm of the Liberal Party of Canada. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. So on yesterday's show, we covered Conservative Party of Canada leader Aaron O'Toole, who joined CBC for a town hall discussion. The event was billed as an opportunity to speak to undecided voters and learn more about the issues that matter to Canadians. The only problem is that that's not what happened at all. Instead, CBC trotted out four young voters, each of whom outed themselves either as liberal voters or far-left activists. The themes of the questions were all based on the issues that matter to liberal voters. We know that because True North did a scientific poll that showed that liberal voters care about climate change and they care about COVID-19. Whereas conservative voters don't really care about those issues at all, conservative voters care about government spending, government debt, jobs, and the economy. So CBC put O'Toole in the hot seat opposite liberal partisan activist Rosemary Barton, the one who pretends to be a journalist but really is a big fan of Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party. And she twisted every single question to match the liberal spin, the liberal talking points, and the liberal lies that get pushed out through this election. Now, on top of that, Rosemary Barton was indignant, she was rude, she was condescending, and she showed that she clearly does not like conservatives. She clearly has no patience for conservative ideas or the conservative worldview. Her line of question was biased, it was based on liberal lies, and her anti-conservative bias was shining through all night long. Well, that's because the CBC just isn't very good at hiding their bias. So last night, to provide the perfect contrast to that event with Aaron O'Toole, we had Liberal leader Justin Trudeau join the exact same program in the exact same format just to show us how differently the CBC treats conservatives versus how they treat their own liberals. So remember, on Sunday night, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole was asked more or less four left-wing questions, that at least the line of attack was from the left. So he was asked about giving government daycare to middle and upper income families. He was asked about the trans community and how he would protect trans people's feelings. I don't really understand how that's federal jurisdiction, but that was the question. He was asked about climate change and how he's going to deal with the fact that many in his caucus don't share the same views about wanting to have a carbon tax as he does. And and he was asked about his housing plan by an immigrant to Canada who talked about how Canada was a racist country and he also happened to tout Justin Trudeau's strategy in Afghanistan even though by most accounts by most people who are experts on what's happening in Afghanistan Trudeau has made a tremendous series of blunders but regardless we had an individual who said that he liked Trudeau's plan and he wanted Aaron O'Toole to continue that so all of the questions even if they weren't left-wing questions they were framed or asked in a left-wing way and host Rosemary Barden made it all so much worse by pressuring Aaron O'Toole and doubling down on all the liberal partisan attacks we've seen throughout this election campaign so she asked him about guns about systemic racism in Canada she talked about climate alarmism and she really misrepresented and did a dishonest job of promoting the Liberals' conversion therapy bill and taking the Conservative position on that out of context. So this time around, 
if the CBC were fair and balanced, if they were a legitimate news organization that treats all political parties the same, they would have asked Justin Trudeau for conservative questions, including shutting down parliament to avoid the We Charity investigation, various ethics violations that Justin Trudeau has been found guilty of, the whole idea that Justin Trudeau pretends to be a feminist, whereas behind closed doors, he treats women very, very poorly and has a very bad track record of that. We would talk a lot about the out of control government debt and spending, the increased cost of living because of his printing of money and hyperinflation, dividing the country by attacking and dehumanizing the populist rallies, and his party's despicable, despicable record when it comes to sexual misconduct and the resulting cover-ups. But instead, of course, none of that really happened. Some of those issues were sort of vaguely touched upon, but there's no way that Rosemary Barton pressed and pressured Trudeau the same way that she did when it came to O'Toole. So instead, Justin Trudeau got loving softball questions that confirm his exact worldview and reflect the things that he's been trying to say throughout the whole campaign, really reflect his message of the campaign. So right on that topic, first we heard from one questioner who basically condemned Canada as a horrible and racist country and talked about this one incident that she was apparently the victim of a hate crime or at least a racist person in a grocery store. And we saw Justin Trudeau sweep in to to basically apologize for Canada, say that Canada is this terrible, awful country, and we like to pretend it isn't, but really it is. And then he makes an insane remark that is patently untrue. He says that there are millions of hate crimes that happen in Canada, which is absolutely ridiculous, not even close to being true, but it allows Trudeau to continue with his line of attack that, you know, his favorite topic is condemning Can Canadians as racist, especially if you're a conservative voter, you're just beyond the pale, and allowed Trudeau to uh, shift and go to his, his new favorite topic, which is demonizing the populist protesters, pretending that they are entirely at fault for COVID and the fourth wave, this magical thinking that if just everyone in the country got vaccinated, COVID would go away. It's not true. I know lots of people who have been vaccinated for COVID and have still gotten COVID. So just because you're vaccinated doesn't make this go away. It's really magical thinking that he has, regardless, this is what Trudeau loves to do. And he really loves to dehumanize those who have valid concerns about forced vaccinations and vaccine passports. So here is what that question and that exchange look like. Hi, everyone. My name is Pooja Begri, and I'm from Toronto, Ontario. I recently just completed my PhD from McMaster University, specializing in immunology, and I currently work in the health research sector. You know, I've always been proud to be Canadian, and I truly do embrace Canadian values. But like you just heard, uh, recently when I was at the grocery store, a complete stranger came up to me and told me to go back to my country. And then I continued to face a tirade of racist remarks while everyone remained silent and no one stepped in to help, you know. Born and raised in Toronto, Canada is my country. And so this was a very jarring experience for me. And then we continue to hear about horrific hate-motivated crimes occurring across the country, like the incident in London, Ontario, that tragically took the lives of almost an entire family. And so it's, it's very perplexing to me to understand, you know, regular Canadians like me going about our daily lives can't even go out on a walk or go to the grocery store without fearing for our safety. So what I want to know is, what do you as a leader plan to do to ensure that Canadians from all walks of life, um, all walks of life feel safe and protected? And just seeing some of the things that have been happening during your campaign stops, you know, it just really worries me. And it makes me wonder that if someone like you could face such a barrage of anger, then what about regular folks like me? How vulnerable am I? 
So how can you make me and others like me feel safe? Thank you, Pooja. And let me start by saying I am so sorry uh, for what you had to go through and unfortunately what uh, millions of Canadians continue to face. We want to try and say, well, this Canada's not like that. Canada's not that country. Uh, but we have to accept that it is in some cases. Certainly ask the, the Afzal family in, in, uh, in, in London. Okay, next, Trudeau was asked about the economic recovery, right? Okay, here we go. A good question, a question about economics. But wait a minute. The entire question was framed in the context of creating something called economic equity, economic equity. So we're not talking about equality of opportunity here. When we're talking about equity, we're talking about the Marxist idea of forced equality, so equality of outcome. So instead of talking about actual economic recovery and, and making sure we have the right conditions to create jobs in this country, instead the conversation was focused on providing more welfare to the unemployed and discussions about universal basic income, which is a socialist idea where the government pays everyone a salary regardless of whether they work or not. So not really about jobs in the economy, at all, but instead about socialism and more cradle-to-grave welfare. This is what that exchange looked like. My name is Ty Simpson. I am 29 years old and I live just north of Bowenville, Ontario with my parents Neil and Suzanne and my Fox Red Labrador Retriever, Finn. Uh, for the past two and a half years, I have been working at a big box retail operation uh, near my parents' home. Um, should you be re-elected, what would you do to address the growing income inequity in this country and improve the lives of low-income workers, uh, many of which, such as myself, were asked to continue working through the pandemic despite an increased risk to their safety? We saw that people who were already vulnerable, uh, either economically or for other reasons, were made more vulnerable by the pandemic, and that's certainly the situation you were in. Uh, so whether it's better access to education if you want to go back to school, better supports for artists, or better support for you and your partner to be able to buy their home with a, a real uh, housing strategy that's going to put more money into your pocket and support in the creation of supply, there's lots of things that we need to do, and we want to be there to support you on it. Okay, next question. This one was actually really good. Credit where credit is due. This young man had a excellent line of questioning. He asked about fiscal restraint, about shutting down the economy over COVID. He talked about rising inflation, and he, he really had a great line of questioning. But rather than answering those important questions, Trudeau just pivoted towards uh, COVID, blaming the unvaccinated again, talking more about how he wants to give more government handouts, including money to help people buy a home and more government childcare. So he didn't really talk about the economic side at all. And when Rosemary Barton jumped in, rather than getting him, uh, pressing him on talking about the economics of things, uh, what about government spending? How are you going to pay off the debt? What is your plan to grow the economy? Uh, you know, he, Trudeau never really addressed how he's going to pay the bills or what the impact of his spending will be on the cost of living. And instead of really pushing back like he did with O'Toole, uh, Rosemary Barton just sort of, you know, lets him make his statement, let, lets him pivot to talk more about welfare and never really gets to the heart of those spending questions. Here is what that looked like. Hi, my name is Ahmed Hassan. I'm a renewable energy contractor and entrepreneur living in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm a diehard Raptors fan and technology enthusiast. In my free time, I enjoy reading, watching documentaries, and spending time with my family. I am an undecided voter this election because none of the party's platforms fully resonate with me. This election, the issues on my mind are the economy post-COVID-19, personal health freedoms, and the rising division within Canada. My question is, being from Alberta, 
I've been, we've been through some pretty rough economic times and COVID-19 and extended lockdowns only amplified this. My question to you, Prime Minister, is the cost of goods and services has increased while our purchasing power has decreased. What are you going to do to get the economy back on track and where are you going to draw the line between economic stimuli and fiasco restraint? Uh, but I've... according to according to Stat Canada, inflation is 3.7% right now. Canadian life is getting more expensive by the day. Yep. What are you going to do to curb inflation rates and reassure Canadians about the economy? First thing is getting done with COVID. We have to get through that. But then as we rebuild, we have to learn the lessons we learned during COVID, which is uh, women got hit harder by this COVID recession. Uh, minorities, uh, young people got hit harder by this uh, COVID recession. So we have to respond to those things and understand the intensity of the crisis of COVID is similar to the intensity of the crisis on climate. And finally, probably the most ridiculous question of all, the, the fourth question, they brought out a First Nations person who is actually from one of the reserves who claimed to have found unmarked graves on their property in the summer, one of the, the big sort of bombshell reports that we heard about with the, these reserves claiming to found unmarked graves. This specific one in Kawasas and First Nations, there was a lot of issues with this. First of all, one of the band members came out after the announcement and said that the graves that were discovered, first of all, they were in an existing cemetery. It wasn't like they just found graves that were at a resi former residential school. It was actually in a graveyard. The graveyard didn't just belong to the First Nations. It belonged to the entire community. So we heard um, stories, like I said, from that band leader who said that the graves belonged to both First Nations and non-First Nations, both children and adults. So this was one of those issues where the media totally took that story out of context, made it seem like the worst of the worst, like confirmed the worst of the worst about Canada's history and our past, um, and were really dishonest about the story in its entirety. Uh, I wrote a lot about that. Uh, you can go check out some of my reports. There's one called Six Things the Media Got Wrong about the um, unmarked grave stories. Go check that out if you haven't already, because I really go through all of this in detail. Regardless, they brought out a woman from that reserve to talk about reconciliation. This is one of those issues that Canadians don't really care about. The media really hyped this up, drummed this up like it was going to be a huge election issue. When we pulled Canadians here at True North, the, the, the people who thought that reconciliation was the number one issue of the campaign was really, really low. For both liberal, conservative, undecided voters, nobody told us that this was an issue that was top of mind. So it's really interesting to see the media focus so much on this issue as if it's the most important issue in the country. That's just not what Canadians told us in our polls. Regardless, um, because the CBC knows nothing about Western Canada, they kind of build this as a question about both the West and about reconciliation. So we, we allowed Trudeau to talk um, more about his sort of empty plans to help First Nations people. Look, he's been prime minister for six years. If he was really committed to ending the um, water boil advisories, he, he would have done it already. All right? Trudeau doesn't care about this issue either, but it gives him the opportunity to flout his, his big ideas and make him look like he's going to you know, solve everything. And again, because the CBC doesn't know anything about Western Canada, they think that this is the same issue. So it's the West and reconciliation as if those two issues had anything in common. But when they did finally start talking about the West, what do they talk about? How Justin Trudeau wants to shut down the resource economy. He wants to, again, spend money that we don't have, basically pay the provinces, shut down natural resources, and what? 
like take the money and learn to code instead. I mean, it's it's such a ridiculous pie in the sky idea that we would just shut down the major tenants of our economy without anything to replace them. But again, it just shows how out of touch the CBC is with Western Canada and how clueless Justin Trudeau is and how weak he is when it comes to the economy and real issues in the West, Western alienation, uh, feelings that you know that all the decisions in Canada get made in Ottawa or Quebec and that everything in Western Canada is kind of an afterthought. This this show, uh, the way that this question was buried at the bottom, really did confirm that Western Canada is an afterthought to these elites in Ottawa. So here is what that line of questioning looked like. Hi there, my name is Dodie Ferguson and I'm an undecided voter. I come from a farming and ranching family from the Kauza's First Nation here in Treaty 4 territory. I am also very passionate about helping Canadians understand this concept of reconciliation to help them along their journey and hopefully help them write relations with us as Indigenous people so we can have a mutually respectful and beneficial relationship. What can you tell me that would encourage me to vote for you as I have in the past? I waffle between a couple of parties. What can you tell me that would encourage me to vote Liberal this time around, taking into consideration the future for my children and my grandchildren as Indigenous workers in Canada? So those are really great actions of reconciliation that the government has enacted um, in this country. I'm looking more towards how do we do um, reconciliation in terms of economics, in terms of um, labor, in terms of relations that we as Indigenous people who are workers and contribute in this economy, how do we tie reconciliation along with the economy and labor and employment? You know, Dodi, you mentioned you're, you're uh, from Kawasas or, or your roots are in Kawasas. Um, when I was there, we got to uh, sign a deal with Cadmus Delorme, the chief there, uh, to make sure that kids who are at risk in the community get kept in the community, in their language, in their culture, not taken out uh, to non-Indigenous foster homes, because that knowing identity and strength and grounding in your community is part of being able to succeed and contribute in the future. So those are concrete things we've done together that all comes into making sure there are full opportunities for your kids and grandkids. And finally, after each question, Rosemary Barton was allowed to herself jump in and have a follow-up line of questions. We saw with Erin O'Toole that she really insulted him, she misrepresented his position, and she pushed liberal talking points. So to be fair, True North wants to show you what it looked like because because Rosemary Barton really did push Justin Trudeau back a little bit but it was so gentle in comparison to the way that she treated Aaron O'Toole so we want to compare apples to apples here is a little montage of the hardest moments that Rosemary Barton pushed against conservative leader Aaron O'Toole on Sunday night versus the hardest moments that she pushed against liberal leader Justin Trudeau on Monday night here is what that looks like if if you are such a good leader if you really can lead by example, convince people in your caucus this is the right way forward, is this not evidence that you can't do you it? You said that over the years you end up carrying a number of things. That mm -hmm. sounds to me like someone who's admitting he's got some baggage after being in government of for course. a while. You've had three ethics investigations. One of them concluded that there was a breach. Two others did not. Is the baggage from being around for a while, being the Prime Minister, starting to get in the way of Canadians trusting you and wanting to give you another chance. The systemic racism, it does not appear in your party's platform. You've been asked about it on the campaign trail. That seems strange to me. We have issues of systemic racism in this country. Do you believe we have issues of systemic racism We've... that we need to deal with? And if you do, why wouldn't you put it in your platform? In 2015, you promised to eliminate all boil water advisories. Um, uh, in Indigenous communities. I wonder, and now you've just recently, of course, you said we're not going to meet that deadline. I wonder if it was a mistake to 
make create that expectation to suggest that it could take that amount of time. Yes, then you can advice. show. We ambition. now have new ones, right? Mr. Trudeau changed his targets. The twice. world changed their targets. The world Mr. changed. Mr. Trudeau their targets. Cha changed Canada's targets. You have to update twice. the targets after two years. In the ten, you have to do ten that. days after we release, aren't dropping yet. I know experts say that we will get to the thirty percent mark, but why? Thirty-six percent. Thirty-six percent. You're quite right. Why are Why are you so confident, though, that you can raise the targets again, given that it did take probably too long to get to where we're going to be? It's restricting the Beretta Storm weapon used at the Dawson College shooting, for instance. How is that political? What, what is the political decision that goes into restricting that firearm? On what planet does that firearm need to be part of what is allowed in this country? You've now promised increased spending, $78 billion over five years. Given the employment numbers this last week, end of last week, that were good, given economic growth, how can you justify that continued amount of stimulus? What would you say to Canadians about why you still need to spend that kind of money? Well, there you have it, folks. I'll let you make up your own mind about whether you thought that Rosemary Barton treated the two leaders equally and whether she was being fair and balanced. But I will leave you with one fact. This is the third election campaign in a row where Justin Trudeau, the liberal leader, has run on a platform, on a pledge to increase funding to the CBC. He is literally bribing them with our money. His campaign platform is higher salaries to the CBC, bigger budget to the CBC, more taxpayer dollars going to the state broadcaster, which is dying. Fewer and fewer Canadians are choosing to tune in to the CBC, and therefore the CBC is more reliant on more taxpayer dollars. Look, at this point, it is abundantly clear. The CBC is the media arm of the Liberal Party of Canada. They are there to do nothing more than push the Liberal platform, push the Liberal worldview, and promote their man, Justin Trudeau. Their television personalities pretend to be journalists, but they're not. They're Liberal activists doing everything they can to get Trudeau re-elected. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.